This episode of Make Your Pitch is brought to you by BET. As a business owner, have you ever asked, uh, how is my business ensuring profitability and sustainability? Uh, or does my business drive its growth and agenda through a defined strategy? Maybe also, is there a performance management system in place? If you hesitated to answer any of these questions, you need to take a look at the Business Enabling Toolbox, BET. To find out more about BET, check the show notes of this episode. This is Make Your Pitch. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am Ellen J. Harris. Together, we chat with entrepreneurs with great ideas, looking for investors to back their vision. We want to be sure investors are there as well as to find the next big hit. So let's get started. And I want to welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to this episode of Make Your Pitch. This is where we bring entrepreneurs to investors and also bring you experts in their fields so that you can learn from them as a startup company or even as a person that's developing a company in the early stages. You might be into the seed round, you might be into series A or B, but what we want to do is give you the strength and the power in order to achieve your goals and your dreams. And that's why we have Make Your Pitch. I'm Christopher Knight. And I am Ellen J. Harris. And today we have a tremendous guest, which I, am, I think you're going to find quite unusual in the area of, of the types of people that come to us and uh, make their pitch. But prior to that, I want to make sure that we get a little bit of information about our guest, David Roy Newby. And so, Ellen, tell us a little bit about David. Certainly will. David Roy Newby helps successful business owners and wealthy families create multi-generational legacies of success using the timeless wisdom of King Solomon. He is founder of the Solomon Wisdom Society, which is an exclusive club for billionaires. He served as director of marketing in the real estate industry and marketing director in the financial services industry. David is the author of two books, Beyond Billions and A Legacy Built to Last. David has spoken at the Harvard Club of Boston and the National Association of Securities Dealers and Automated Quotations known in the world of finance as NASDAQ. Welcome, David. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you guys. Can you hear me okay? Yes. We're certainly glad to have you, David. And certainly as things, uh, as I mentioned early on to our audience, we're, uh, I think we're in for a real treat because you have something that is, is extremely exciting as far as I'm concerned. So, why don't we just let you take it away and tell us what you've got going on in your area. Certainly, I will be glad to. Um, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on the show. There is, a, just to give a little background, when I was growing up in the hills of Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee to be specifically, on $503 a month on welfare, 
I never thought that I would be sharing the stages with people like Robert Kiyosaki and the Rockefellers and uh, David Green from Hobby Lobby and other, you know, world influential people. But by God's grace, through uh, publishing my books and through speaking very openly about some of the challenges I overcame in my family history, uh, as well as business, uh, I have been able to speak to 117 billionaires in the last three years. And so as I was doing my market research, uh, oftentimes talking about relational dynamics, um, this one thing just came out to me that I think is criminal. If you look going back to the 80s at studies of wealthy families, whether it was UBS or Merrill Lynch or any other financial group, many of them have done multi-decade studies of wealthy families. The studies show consistently that with the, whether a family is worth hundreds of millions or multi-billions, within one generation, like the founder will make the money, within one generation, that second generation, 76.5% of the time, they lose the money. If the money makes it to the third generation, 92.5% of the times, they lose the money. So in essence, we're talking about a 7% success rate of the money that entrepreneurs make actually improving their families beyond two generations. Hence the oldest Chinese proverb in existence, rice paddy to rice paddy in three generations, or as we like to say in the West nowadays, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. And so to me, um, being raised by three generations of men who murdered family members, uh, I had a very extreme example of foolishness modeled to me by the men that I was dealing with. And by studying King Solomon's wisdom, Solomon was worth $4 trillion in today's money. I was able to transform my family legacy from one of abuse, adultery, and murder to one of affirmation and skills transfer and empowerment. And so Solomon Wisdom Society was born out of those two things, my family journey transforming my family legacy and the fact that I think it's criminal that people can sacrifice make huge impacts on the world at the billionaire levels, and then their success still dies with them. The grandkids and the kids basically blow the wealth that they had created. And so the Solomon Wisdom Society is designed to address the number one challenge billionaire families face that is not being helped by other groups. Estate planning and, and, and um, succession planning are great for your money and your business. Uh, right now, the other groups that are out there, you have the World Economic Forum, also known as Davos, they deal with money and nonprofit work. You also have another group called Venture Circle. Um, they deal with just money. You have the Forbes Council, uh, also known as the Forbes Philanthropy Summit. Uh, they meet once a year with all the giving pledge members and they talk about uh, basically charitable giving. But none of these groups on a regular basis talk about addressing the number one asset billionaires have that is overlooked, which is their families. How do we help billionaires strategically pass on their values and their skills to the subsequent generations so that whatever amount of wealth they leave to the nonprofit groups and to their families is, is stewarded and makes a long lasting positive impact on the world. So that's why we created the Solomon Wisdom Society. It is based upon the teachings of King Solomon, who to put it in perspective, most people just know him as a Jewish king if they have a Jewish or a Christian background or have read the Torah. Um, but they don't, most people don't realize is he created $4 trillion of wealth in today's money uh, in gold holdings alone. He had $2 trillion of cash. So he basically created wealth through business ventures. He did not create it through taking over the rest of the world like Alexander the Great did. And so um, 
the Solomon Wisdom Society helps billionaire families strategically implement his wisdom in three key areas, in the area of family, passing on uh, affirmation and skills transfer with their business, uh, very similarly, um, taking their succession plans to the next level by creating affirmation um, as a part of their company culture, and last but not least, help them maximize their impact by getting the largest social ROI on their charitable giving. And we support our billionaire members three ways. Um, number one, we're gonna have three times a year mastermind retreats of two days each. So this is respectful of billionaire's time where we're only meeting three times a year instead of four times a year like the Venture Circle. There is one other group already in existence that billionaires are members of, that, but they meet four times a year and they only deal with the money. So we're gonna meet three times a year for two days, go very deep on the business and family challenges and maximizing them. So that's our first deliverable is our mastermind retreats. Our second deliverable is an app that we created called Solomon Says, where we're taking all of Solomon's teachings because not only did Solomon create $4 trillion of wealth, he actually wrote three books that tell you how to have a, a very successful life in all areas, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. We've arranged his teachings in an app called Solomon Says that will basically, whenever you have a question about what is the wisest way to deal with the situation, you can look up Solomon's teachings and get his advice on that situation. And so uh, each topic that we have covered, we give a further explanation of how to apply Solomon's teachings in the area of business, in the area of family, and in the area of dealing with friends. Uh, our business application is exclusive to our billionaire members. And last but not least, we have a coaching program called Legacy Builders Coaching which shows people uh, through a 12 module process they can implement in six months, how to again, create that culture of affirmation in the family. Oftentimes with family dynamics, there are wounds from the past that need to be addressed. So um, just to summarize everything, our membership is limited to 40 members worldwide. That's less than 2% of the billionaires in the world. So that's why it's the most exclusive club. Uh, our price point is 2.5 million a year membership fees. And that price point has already been proven by the venture circle. The venture circle, is a group that meets to talk about investments. It has a minimum $10 billion net worth. And I have a couple friends whose billionaire friends have complained to them that they were not able to join the venture circle because their net worth was not high enough. So our price point is proven and there is more demand in the marketplace for a desire to mastermind amongst our target market than there is a being offered available to them right now. So we are raising a last uh, $500,000 for the Solomon Wisdom Society because our market research is already done. I've talked to 117 billionaires in the last three years. Our product development is done and now we're ready to, and we have done some PR, I've done publicity for my last book, Beyond Billions, as well as uh, spoken at several family office conferences. So now we're ready to do a direct mail invitation to our first hundred target billionaires, as well as PR pitches and working with family offices uh, to invite billionaires as well. So we're doing very personalized um, invitations and we're ready to launch the society at this time and invite and, and welcome in our first eight to 12 members over the next quarter. So thank you so much for allowing me to share. And I think if you love the idea of making a big impact, impacting 40 billionaires, potentially impacting 25 billion of their charitable giving over the next couple of decades, then I invite you to uh, join us with the Solomon Wisdom Society and maximize your impact. Very good, David, and thank you so much. What, whatever, uh, what, 
what got you into thinking about doing this? I mean, there's there's got to be more to it than just saying, hey, I want to put together a society. Where was your impetus? Where was your motivation to do it? So interestingly enough, my wife's from the Philippines and I was uh, on a business trip in the Philippines on a trade mission. And I saw a lot of people doing great nonprofit things. These are American Filipino business people who were sponsoring children to put them through college or doing feeding programs, but they were not masterminding together. And King Solomon in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes was the first person to talk about masterminding. Napoleon Hill called it masterminding in the Thinking for a Rich book. 3,000 years ago, Solomon wrote about it in Proverbs. And so uh, wisdom is found in a multitude of counselors. And in a a multitude of wise counselors, victory is assured. So I, I like to think in extremes. So I'm thinking, my friends are all doing this great nonprofit work. They would be so much more effective sharing best practices. And then I had the thought, well, who's getting billionaires together to make the biggest positive impact with the resources that they have marshaled? Um, then I found out you know, the giving pledge came out a year after I had that thought, um, but they only get together once a year for a day. And when I studied the challenges wealthy families face that caused them to fall apart, I'm like, the family structure is not being addressed strategically enough. And so I waited a few years for someone else to make the group. You know, I still had a, I'm a little welfare kid from the hills of Tennessee mindset, but I just decided, hey, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go fix it. If anyone else is going to fix it, I'll go fix it. So that's how the society was born. Now that, that is fascinating. But, you know, I have this thing that always, whenever you talk about uh, uh, second generation wealth, for example, uh, the first thing that pops in my mind is the fact that uh, it, it, it's it, almost impossible uh, to bring the second generation along because they have not had to work for it. They haven't had to struggle for it. They, they don't really have any appreciation for it. And if you can pass that, that second generation and get into the third, uh, maybe they'll have more appreciation. How do you overcome that? Which that's a very common thing. You see it constantly. Uh, oh, the, spoiled, so. the, spoiled, the spoiled rich brats, they go out and they get on daddy's uh, uh, G7 jets or G8s and they fly around the world and they hop off and get in their Lamborghinis. And But the, the money means nothing to them and getting that money and how it was achieved means nothing to them. How do you overcome that with, with the people that you uh, visit with? So there's three key strategies. One is to give your children the gift of contrast. You can't give them the gift of being poor, they, they, if they grew up wealthy. Um, however, you can't give them the gift of contrast. So I help clients like take their kids to poor areas and actually not just look at them, but actually interact. If you have a 10 year old child and like when I was 10 years old and I went to the Philippines, I thought we were poor on welfare, but I realized poor in America on welfare is rich globally. And so um, you can give your children the gift of contrast, contrast number one. Number two, like you basically need to put strong uh, value transfers meaning you need to not just tell them this is how our business works so they understand the operations, but you need to help them understand the values that drive your business, like the uh, values of humility, of service, that the cust- serving the customer, doing things with excellence, innovation. These are the values that you need to instill in your children. And last but not least, if the kids are just not teachable, then you don't have to leave your money to them. You know that This is where a lot of the fighting comes along. But last but not least, I think that affirming your children for their strengths and their skill sets and affirming them as an individual while giving them the gift of contrast 
and appreciating the right values, these are the ways you battle those common trends of that are very easy for a kid just to take things for granted. And certainly in the, as we all know, some of the biggest problems in our lives come from our families in many cases. Uh, families uh, battle for almost no reason. I can imagine the battles at the upper end when you're battling over uh, 750 million to you know, 1.5 billion, uh, those battles are not uh, the same as others have, but it certainly relates to other family squabbles, shall we say. And it seems so important, and, and, uh, and I know you address this uh, because you, you have that wisdom, you, you have that foresight, but addressing it with these folks, even after they've gone through, uh, uh, we talked before we got on, they may have had three marriages or five marriages. That means they may have two or three or four sets of kids from each of those women. That becomes a massive, massive structural problem. What do you teach them about that, uh, David? Um, usually people uh, are smart enough to only have kids from the first two wives. But <laughs> yeah, there are still structural challenges nonetheless. Even if you only had one wife, but the relationships get strained later, you can still have the family infighting, the squabbles. So it's very, very vital to, um, to create that, that humility, that value of humility and what is the purpose of the business? The purpose of the business is not just to give us a great lifestyle. The purpose of the business is to benefit humanity as, a, as overall and to benefit the customers that we serve. It's vital that you pass on that understanding and appreciation to the next generation of the kids. And I think one way to do that is you make your kids, some people make their kids work in other companies for five, 10 years before they can work in the family business but also like make them work in every division and make them do some low level jobs, even if it's only for a week. Let's say you have 20 divisions in your company. It's a very, very large, something like Amazon. You could have them spend a week in each division, like being a box person, taking stuff in and out of a truck at an Amazon warehouse, uh, working uh, as an assistant at an accountant level, like just appreciating all the different divisions. Um, that is very, very key to passing on an appreciation for how the business works and never ever looking down on someone that works for you as you know a, a little person if you've done their work even for just a week at a time in east division you'll have a newfound appreciation those are some major keys last but not least it's forgiving wounds you need to teach them how to forgive wounds and and slights from the past when your family operates from a place of heal, healing versus fractured and hurt relationships there's way less squabbles once you're gone Let's pause for a moment so we can hear from our sponsor for this episode. I have just set up our customer relation management system using CRM Engine, not just for its many options, but because its price is well below that of the big boys. The CRM Engine team set up all that we needed to keep track of our contacts, including those who are scheduled to pitch, our investors and strategic partners. We now know when we met, what was said, when to follow up, and includes an auto email system to stay in touch timely. It keeps us focused on what makes Maker Pitch what it is, the people. So to learn how to keep your business in touch with your clients using CRM Engine, go to the show notes of this episode. Ellen, go right ahead. 
Okay, thank you. Um, this is really fascinating, David. Um, the writings of Solomon. I have uh, looked them up in, in the Bible, but you speak of it as if there is more writings than what we are aware of. I'm curious about the level of research that you conducted into the writings of King Solomon. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, to clarify, I thank you for that. There's not really necessarily extra writings. I think that a lot of times uh, it's easy to read a teaching and think, oh, it applies this way. But if you go deeper, oftentimes when you're reading an older uh, ancient text, you're reading it in a different language than it was originally written. So, for example, when you read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes in the original Hebrew, there's a lot more depth of meaning than you might uh, see at first glance reading it in English. So our app helps people mine, it's just like since you can't gold mines, helps you mine the deeper levels of wisdom that are available when you go deeper into those teachings versus just reading it and at the surface level, oh, I, I see how to apply this, but you might be missing some of the applications. So our Solomon Says app helps people go, go deeper in their understanding and their application. And oftentimes we just put things in a religious box and it's like, Wisdom applies to every area of life. It doesn't just apply to your, your religious life. It applies to business and applies to everything. Yes, it does. Now, with respect to the children of the billionaires, as, you're, as they're listening to these insights and the teachings, how are they responding? Are they motivated to pick up books on their own and read more? Uh, share with us a bit of what you observe their responses are to this writings, these writings rather. Yeah, certainly. Well, we find that um, it's vital to get the buy-in of the founder or the person who created the wealth. Um, like when they humble themselves and actually start repairing damaged relationships, that goes a long way. You know, one of our clients, he had two adult children who had not talked to him for like five years. And they wanted nothing to do with his business because it was the thing that drove away. Basically, their dad loved the business more than he loved them. That was their experience of their father's level of work. And so as that relationship began to heal, um, you know, him like humbling himself and apologizing and being able to see things from his kid's perspective, it was a multi-month process. So it's really vital to get the founder's humility and willingness to ask for forgiveness and willingness to start seeing things from the next generation's perspective and honoring the next generation's perspective. When you have those couple of things in place and you're applying Solomon's wisdom in the relationship at a very practical level, now you can have very rapid healing of a relationship where um, the family can start building things together instead of the first generation just building something and the second generation oftentimes not having much to do with it other than enjoying the fruits of it as uh, Christopher was saying earlier, flying on the planes and driving the Lamborghinis, et cetera. Okay, and my last question is this. Uh, you're exposing people. Um, there's a lot of misconception around the world in the United States in particular about how a billionaire thinks. And people don't really understand them or know them because they haven't had the exposure. But once a billionaire comes into contact with you, and your writings. What would you observe is the effect, long-term effect on their 
uh, psyche, their lives, how they approach business? What have you observed? I find that um, the ones I've talked to, I've talked to 17 billionaires one-on-one, -on -one, 117 in uh, group settings. When I have no agenda other than to really seek to serve them and their families and, and what are their deeper dreams beyond just building their company, uh, they, they feel a sense of ease that I'm not trying to get anything from them or do a business deal with them. Usually they have big guards up. And so uh, our society is not about me, right? It's about creating a multitude of counselors. This is where the, the mastermind retreats. We're going to facilitate conversations that billionaires want to have with their peers. By the way, Bill Gates and Elon Musk and several other billionaires have vocalized in public that they wish they could get together with their peers more often and they're not able to. So by us facilitating 40 billionaires being able to get together twice, a, three times a year in our two-day retreats, we're going to be able to facilitate environments where they can be themselves, let their hair down, get deeper level support um, than they can get anywhere else. And so we really want to create that that, that environment of support and openness without any ulterior, ulterior, ulterior motive or objective other than to serve them because most people want something from them when they're out daily in their lives. Of the 17 that you visited with personally, David, how many of them actually have admitted that they have a problem in their, uh, uh, shall we say, legacy uh, with their family and how to pass on this generational wealth. How many have actually admitted that they have a problem with that? It's more than half. I normally talk, I like to consider myself the chief confession officer to have fun with some Catholic language. So I will confess family patterns that were not serving me. And in my earlier in my marriage, I was repeating and how I use King Solomon's wisdom to improve those family dynamics and the, 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 the amazing transformational results in my family. And then um, oftentimes when I share those things that are very personal, these billionaires will tell me about family challenges they're having because they realize, wow, this is a guy who talks openly about this. Like there's no judgment around this topic with him. So I think that's one of the biggest gifts that we give, not only by empowering them to utilize Solomon's strategies very strategically, but just giving them an environment where there's no judgment and it's only support. And I'm, I'm going first, you know, give, I give them the gift of going second and telling me their challenges with their family. Okay, now in, in structure, I know as you began telling us about the, uh, uh, the Solomon, the SWS, I guess I can call it, but as you began telling us about it, I was not quite clear on exactly where you were headed. Can you do us a favor and just do kind of a five-point structure that says here's where we're going to start here's what we want to accomplish here's where we're uh, we're going to help most and here's what the end result is going to be can you kind of draw us a kind of a roadmap that you have in mind for this particular concept certainly so would you like me to summarize uh, the deliverables and then also the timeline of the rollout certainly be great okay so yeah, basically a Solomon Wisdom Society will help our 40 billionaire members uh, break the shirt sleeves of shirt sleeves and three generation cycle in their family by applying Solomon's uh, $4 trillion level well, uh, wisdom in their families, with their businesses and with their charitable giving. And we're gonna do that 
by supporting them with our Legacy Builders coaching, our uh, Solomon Says app, which helps them access Solomon's wisdom at any time um, and apply it to their situation they're facing, and also with our three times a year uh, SWS Mastermind Retreats, where, where we'll facilitate deep conversations with them and their peers. Uh, our timeline rollout is we're looking at um, for March, April, May, like second quarter of 2021, we'll raise our, our final uh, two to $500,000. We will do uh, invitations to our first 100 billionaires in batches of 25. This is both through direct response marketing, uh, doing PR. We've already been featured in Forbes, an entrepreneur in a couple other places. So we'll be doing some very high level uh, PR like on Bloomberg, uh, Fox Business, these types of places, CNBC as well as the direct mail inviting them. And last but not least, uh, doing personal invitations through some of our family office connections as well. So our goal for second quarter is to uh, bring in our first four to 12 members of our 40 total members. And then we will schedule our first retreat. We're shooting for uh, like September of 2021 to have our first retreat. But in the meantime, as people join, they'll get access to the Solomon Says app and be able to start utilizing the Legacy Builders coaching um, as soon as they become a client. All right, you've, uh, and you're raising the, um, let's, let's use the, the, the half a million dollars, uh, 500,000, much less going toward then PR and marketing and and uh, that that side of the business. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, now- A little right. bit, we'll be in some technology of building our website and making it very secure, but that will be like, basically um, $50,000 top. So it would mostly be in marketing and PR and operations. That's correct. Okay. As, as an investor, what's in it for me? So at our target numbers, I always like to do minimum target optimum for all of our goals. So our, our, our NTO for year one are four, eight, 12 members, minimum four, target uh, eight, optimum 12 plus. So our membership's at 2.5 million. That's basically 10, 20, $30 million gross revenue for year one. We should be running about 50% margins, but we offer, um, we're offering 2% of the gross revenue to keep it very, very simple for tracking um, per $100,000. So someone wanted to put in say 500,000 as one investor, they would get 10% of our gross revenue and that they're looking at between a 10 and 20 X ROI in the next three to five years. Now, secondarily, why I brought up that very specifically, Christopher, uh, say a 500,000 investor is um, at a 400,000 plus level, we will let uh, an investor actually come to our first three retreats with the billionaire members. So not only would they have a financial ROI, they'll be able to actually get to know and develop some relationships with our initial founding members. And that I would say could be a very invaluable um, bonus, shall we say. Okay. And, and, uh, are you going to be using convertible notes? Or are you going to be using uh, uh, equity? What, uh, what uh, vehicle are you going to use here for the investor? Yeah, we're basically been doing thus far like joint venture shares and 2% of gross revenue. And then just do quarterly reporting to them on operations. So um, we could move it to, we could move it to uh, just straight equity. We could do that or convertible note. We're not married to only one, one model. Right. Okay. Right. I like to think things really keep things simple on gross revenue and just give a share of gross revenues and just have the books, you know, audited and hey, here's we brought in we brought in two members this quarter. You know, here's our five million gross revenue. Say they did have a the ten percent they came in for the whole last five hundred thousand. Here's your here's your um five hundred thousand dollar check and 
But no, okay, so you're not you're not even talking about the preferred or common stock. You're just talking about a uh, straight straight across deal as far as uh, we made this much. Here's your check. Uh, exactly. Okay. All right. All right. Very good. And all right, Ellen, please carry on here. <laughs> okay. Uh, my goodness, uh, this level of investment, I imagine, has uh, instruments that are not um, widely known to uh, the, the market in general. Uh, share with us, if you will, David, one, just one, that you think is the most interesting that people could uh, research and look into. In terms of uh, structures of ways to invest, or could you yes, mind? structures, ways to invest. Oh, certainly, yeah. So, from the direct response marketing world, a lot of people will do joint ventures, and one person has a list of customers, and another person has a product or service they want to offer. And the person with the list of customers will say, "Hey, I'll be glad to promote what you're offering to my customers," and they will get a percentage of the sales. On information products, it's very typical to do a 50-50 split. On services, it can be anywhere between 10 and 25% where there's you know, um, a lot of staff that a timeline that has to be gone put in place, whether it's consulting or coaching. So we, um, coming from that direct response marketing world, a la Den Kennedy, Jay Abraham, these types of uh, thought leaders, Chet Holmes, which uh, I know you guys know, um, we basically have utilized a similar model. I actually learned it from Brian Tracy, who's raised... Um, several million dollars for different ventures over the years where um, since we're not raising, you know, 10 or 20 or 50 or hundred million dollars for the venture, um, we already have uh, $1 million into our market research and product development. So just raising a final 500,000, um, doing a joint venture structure keeps it quite simple. It's like, Hey, you get a fixed uh, ROI and it doesn't uh, make them have a lot of responsibility. Someone coming in at a $500,000 level, definitely. Um, can get uh, be on the board and uh, make strategic input. But we like to keep things very, very simple, much how people do in a direct response world. Okay. And we do have a board of advisors and we have our, our admin uh, team built. So if someone says, I just want to be on the board of advisor. I only want to have, you know, say an hour, a month of obligation. Um, or they could say, I just want to put in my money and get my ROI. We have multiple levels of engagement available for investors. Okay. After your investors, how much equity has already been spoken for, so to speak? Um, so far, it's been 8%. I've raised um, 350 from investors, and I put in 700 myself to make up that full $1.05 million thus far. Okay. Right. Very good. Now, if you were to have, uh, let's say you're actually speaking directly to a billionaire right now, and he's he's watching you. He's listening to you. What would you say to him right now? I would say if he uh, is interested in the impact, the positive impact he's making in the world, uh, being extended as long as possible, both with his business and with his family, then uh, I would invite him to apply uh, to for Solomon Wisdom Society membership. The key things that we screen for are humility, like you said, being willing to receive counsel, um, being willing to be open when amongst peers, you know, having a, a real abundance mindset. Like, and then last but not least, um, having a desire to be part of something very exclusive and, and very unique. I think Groucho Marx said he would never want to be a part of any club that would have him. We're a little less strict in our membership. 
Yeah, that uh, that says it all, doesn't it? Right there. All right, mm -hmm. David. Wonderful, wonderful uh, job today, and and it it really is. It's it's a fascinating direction that you've taken, and you have really really done a lot of work and put a lot of effort into designing where you want to go uh, next month, even it seems, and that's very impressive. And I know that uh, I know there's some folks out there that want to pitch in and help and. Hopefully we'll be able to help with that. Element, anything in final that you would like to add today? I would just like to add a thank you to David for being so open and interesting in his research and how he's developed it over time. Thank you, David. My pleasure. It's been great to be with you guys. Again, I appreciate your time and your, uh, your wonderful questions and uh, this great platform you guys have built. All right, thank you, David, very much. As we close today, we always want to say, make your pitch. Be with us on the next episode of Make Your Pitch. If you enjoyed today's episode of Make Your Pitch, go smash the subscription button. And if you want, leave us a five-star review. If you think you have what it takes to be on one of our episodes, contact us by going to the show notes to learn how. But most of all, be with us again next week for another episode of Make Your Pitch.